Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello and welcome back to the Prep the Pro NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Ben Pfeiffer and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Max Carlin. Max, how's it going today? I'm getting more nervous because the Celtics game is getting closer. How are you? I'm doing well. Not nervous because my team is not in the playoffs again. Um, so uh, we're going to continue the mailbag we started on Monday. Um, thank, thank you all for sending us questions on such short notice. Um, as, as always, the questions are fantastic, and we are going to stop dilly dallying and keep answering them. So our first question is from at Bobby James nine eight eight zero one. Would a viable Hornets plan be to take Onyeka at three and trade into the second half of the lottery using Devonte and assets from taking on salary to target Killian, and then next year get an elite creator to complete the core with Killian, Onyeka, PJ, Bridges, Rozier, and etc. Uh, supposed elite creator. So a lot of stuff there, but what do you think, Max? As sports keep coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, betonline.ag. Major League Baseball will soon be in full swing, and there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. Also, tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection. He'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his bling. Visit betonline.ag to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back sports bonuses. Bet online, your on your online wagering experts. Uh, so we discussed what they should do on the post lottery episode with Spencer, part one, um, and we discussed the idea of punting on taking a creator and going for a guy that you're confident in, like Onyeka. Uh, I think it's a viable plan. Uh, I think the second half of that, of using Devante and assets to get Killian, seems unrealistic. But maybe people really like Devante in a way that I'm wrong about. Um, on the other hand, I would just take Killian at three. Uh, I think Devante is actually a really nice compliment to him as a guy who can get his own off the dribble and is a really, really elite shooter uh, playing off of him. I think that's, you know, long term, I don't think Devante is the starting guard next to Killian but in the short term I think that would be a plus for him developmentally uh so I like the idea of just taking Killian but I would not fault them if they took Okoro or Onyeka uh and we're just like all right we're gonna get Kate or BJ or uh I don't know Jalen Johnson Jalen Suggs someone like that next year uh I think that that's a legitimate idea and to hear I guess some more in-depth thoughts on that go check out our episode with Spencer yeah, I don't think anybody they take this year is really going to hinder their chance to get like a creator next year to pair with Terry Rozier. I mean, like they, they. <laughs> Terry only has one more guaranteed year after this year, so like, oh uh, yeah, only one more year before his big extension. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I guess I think it's a fine plan like i said i mean I, I mean like Devontae does seem to be like somewhat popular around the league at least among players i mean so there's probably front offices that value him more than they should um i like if, if you can get like him for killian basically and other marginal assets obviously you do it but like I, i'm skeptical you can um yeah i mean i don't mind onyeka at three i mean if if it was three it would be wiseman not onyeka like assuming he's there in, in real life 
Um, but I mean, I, I would like Onyeka there with PJ. We like I mean, talk some talk more in depth about that front court on the episode with Spencer. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a solid plan. Um, I mean, just next twenty twenty one is really gonna be the key for them um, to to hopefully land a, a, a real franchise changing creator. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a solid plan. Uh, all right, next from. Cash Iggy eleven. How much do you guys think a bad coach affects a player's development, and can it be to the point where it hinders their potential? Uh, and then he says that as a Kings fan, uh, seeing what Brandon Ingram did after leaving Luke Walton, um, you know, is a salient example to him. Uh, what do you think, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I think coaching definitely has an impact on development. Absolutely, because. You know, the coach is like the main determiner of like what or one of the main determiners of like what a player can do on a basketball like was allowed to do on a basketball court. I mean, we talked a lot about guys who, especially in this class, need specific fits to succeed. I mean, like like you know, a couple examples we've talked about already. I mean, if you give give Tyrese Halliburton to a coach that wants to make him a lead guard, um, he's not gonna have he's not gonna have success and that's not really gonna be his fault. Um you know, same to a less to less extreme degree with someone like Isaac Okoro, who, if you just relegate him to a spot up role, he's not going to have as much success as if you let him slash and, and get to the line and make passes. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, because like in game reps matter so much, and having a coach that is able to maximize the the value of those in game reps is 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 hugely important. I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's super important. Um, yeah, definitely. However. Uh, I think that there is no way that like anyone in the world would possibly know other than, you know, people on the inside. Uh, Because like even a coach who is perceived to be bad tactically um, could be a great developmental coach, could be a guy that players really like um, and is just really good at player development. Um, So like, yes, certainly a coach could, could hinder, a player's potential, but I think there is no way that anyone would know. Like even in, cause even in a case where a guy like say, uh, you know, some, someone drafts Tyree Talbert and tries to turn him into a lead guard. Like you don't, you wouldn't know that, you know, that's even the coach's fault. Like, it, well, I guess in, in that case, you're putting you're putting Halliburton in a, in a position that he can't succeed in. But I, I'm just saying, there's there's like no way to on the outside assign blame or credit uh, for yeah. development accurately. Yeah, and um, this, was, this is why player development is, is difficult to study and, and qualify and quantify because yeah, yeah, unless it's you're, uh, unless you're the ones developing, it's it's difficult to really know. Yeah, I mean, look, even even a situation like where you know Markel Fultz loses the ability to shoot, like it. Hard, it's hard to blame even the Sixers for that, like a disaster scenario, because it seems like that, um, you know, like degradation of his shot uh, happened, started before, um, like before he was on the Sixers. So, you know, it, it's it's just impossible to ever know what what is causing either positive or negative development. So, yeah, but like it doesn't matter from a, like a discussion standpoint because we'll never know. Um, yeah, that's kind of an unsatisfying answer, but, uh, it is what it is. Yeah. All right. Um, so for our next question, we have jam on the boards. If you are a team outside of the top 10, is there a prospect you would trade up for if there is a reasonable deal to be had? Uh, yeah. So I would trade up for one of my tier one guys. Uh, but what that means is not Ant cause he's going to go one or two. Uh, however, for my first and second ranked prospects, Killian and Lamelo, uh, I think they could both fall. Killian, I think, will be there at around seven or eight. Lamelo, I think it's conceivable that he could fall, but I doubt it highly. Uh, I would trade up for both of those guys because um, if you're talking seven eight range, it's a lot more feasible. Uh, and then I would maybe trade up for Onyeka Kongwu if I were the absolute right team uh kind of think like maybe the celtics are that team where they've got three picks they kind of long term need that big man and onyeka is just a guy i feel very confident in as a scheme versatile guy who is going to add a lot of value without um 
taking up a lot of possessions uh, and who just fits so naturally on a team that already has its its um its creator in place. But for most teams, I wouldn't do that. Um, but again, there's the chance that he falls to that like eight nine range, so it won't be prohibitively expensive. So yeah, there there are a few guys I w- I would trade up for. Uh, like the main one is is Killian to me because I think like he's actually going to be in that seven eight range and is that good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, generally not like a huge fan of trading up. It's usually not great value. Yeah, I mean, echoing everything you said, Killian is the main guy who is slipping that you know remains at the at towards the top of my board. I can see a team trading up a little bit for Maxi. Um, I, I can see that being plausible though. You're probably not going to have to trade up to get Maxi. Is the thing? I mean, you're not going to have to move up for him. I mean, this question specifies in the top ten. I mean, I'd trade up from like the, from like twenty-ish to get him. I think for sure. Um, he's not going to go in the top ten. I don't think at all. Like, so you wouldn't have to trade up for him. Like, trading up in this draft, like Killian, like if Lamelo begin like slips to five or six, I think I'd probably pull the like pull the trigger if I was the Knicks or the if I was the Knicks or the Pistons. Like, definitely would try to get him. Yeah, I mean, generally not looking to trade up in this class. I mean, I mean, in order to trade up, you need to find someone who wants to trade down, and like that could be difficult as well. Well, I think you'll be able to find teams. Well, that I mean, the <laughs> I, I mean the inverse. Um, yeah, no, yeah, um, yeah. Man, uh, just thinking like after Booker and um, I don't know, just I mean Kentucky players in general. But I think Maxie's going to be quite good, and then some some other K- Kentucky guard down the road is going to reap the benefits of that. People like th- thinking that uh, that there's something hidden there that's maybe not actually there because with Maxie, I think a lot of his ability uh, flew under the radar. Um, all right, next we've got from Sinsei191, which players in this draft would you rather strategically target in their second draft slash RFA uh, than spend a draft pick on? I mean, a lot of them. I mean, I look at the guys who like Draft Express and like the main um, like like major um, like outlets have toward the top who I particularly don't believe are, are going to be that successful early. I mean, we've talked about it before, like Halliburton's a big one who is liable to fall into the wrong hands um, and you know, get <laughs> the wrong. Like he's a nuclear weapon. <laughs> Hal Halliburton is going to uh, fall into the, that, that, that is not uh, quite the opposite actually. Um, <laughs> fall, fall into the, fall into the, the, the not the hands into the the environment of a team that cannot make him nuclear but make him kind of boring he's, he's a nuclear weapon and he's he's like exactly. actually like a malfunctioning blunderbuss and you know yeah you know and, and like that, that's a guy who, who could be a valuable role player you know at some point i mean like maybe even someone like like, like anthony edwards like i think there's a reasonable there's a world where he's overextended and like, if Ant is available on his second contract slash in RFA, I want very little to do with him. I, mean, I think there's a world where he's like clearly overextended and like has value as just that crazy athlete with some, I mean, with some with some room to improve there. I mean, uh, yeah, I guess I, I mean, football game hasn't really been explored. Uh, yeah, I mean, if the team treats him as like a straight primary, like I can see it. I can see it, it happening. If he is available on his second contract, I think that he's probably not a player. Probably, that, probably, like, probably but yeah, yeah. Those are I, those are the two main guys that that I had. Yeah, the guys I thought similar, similarly, similarly to you, uh, with guys that could be asked to create more than they're capable of. So Halliburton, I had RJ Hampton, Kyra Lewis. Uh, I think if any of those guys are asked to be like point guards in air quotes. Uh, probably won't look great, and they could be gettable, uh, and could be made much more useful playing off of another creator. Um, and then I also had the FSU guys, just that, yeah. like I think so. I think Vassell is going to be highly, highly valuable, almost no matter what. Uh, and that's why you know he's turned into a top seven prospect for me. Um, however. Uh, something I've definitely talked about with PD. I don't know if we've talked about it on this podcast. We might have, but uh, that just Vassell's passing reads that are kind of there but need to be cultivated. Uh, that could be more of a second contract thing. So if Vassell is looked at as more of a 
you know, he's a team defender. He'll hit spot ups. He's really valuable. People, people see the value in that. You know, if that's a guy who's getting starter money, I think there's a chance that on that second contract, he takes a step forward as a creator and is more like, you know, toward, you know, higher, (laughs) much higher value than, than just some starter. Like, I don't, I don't really think that he's going to be like some star level creator, but as kind of a guy who can get his own a bit and create a little bit for others, like he's never going to be the first guy, but as a tough shot maker and a guy who can, who can possibly make some, some, you know, value added decisions. um, I think that that potential is definitely there on the second contract, but I would just want to sell. I suppose, like like I said, I didn't want him anyway. I I mean, I'd want to sell on his first contract. And like, yeah, I, exactly. I think it's probably going to be too good to like be lumped in with the guys I was thinking of here. I mean, I I, I see the argument for for latent skills, but I think like you can make that argument with a lot of guys in this class, anyways. I mean, yeah, but I think it's, I think it's more applicable to him than most guys. Uh, and then for Pat, just that if he's asked to be like a wing, um, and kind of flounders defending the perimeter and and maybe the the shot is kind of lagging behind, but if you're a second team that can acquire him and really play him as like a combo big, uh, he could be highly valuable. Uh, so I, 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 again, a guy I just won on a first contract, but if he's, I could see him being misused on his first contract and not being that coveted while having uh, physical traits and intelligence that's, that, and, and, and skills that are, that are very um, coveted. And uh, yeah. I think that he could be an appealing second draft guy for sure. All right, so let's move on to our next question. Uh, that boy Jimbo, uh, what does a bad frame mean? When you say Chet Holmgren might not be able to to add weight on, what does that mean? Yeah, so like I tend to think of this as things that can't be changed. Like you are not going to change how narrow a guy's shoulders are, how high his hips are, how narrow his hips are. Uh, like you can improve hip flexibility i think to some extent um you know uh, we'll see what your your boy miles turner has to say about that like it, it can be done uh but like you are not going to move obi toppin's hips lower it won't happen uh you're not going to make chet holmgren's shoulders wider like these are these are things that are not going to happen uh so you know if i'm ever talking about someone's body being a limiter like halliburton's hips are not going to get lower and wider his shoulders are not going to get wider. Like he, he is just, he's never going to be huge. Like he is never going to be some imposing guard because he like these, these things that are fixed are negative. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the one that always pops in my head for this draft of, of bad frame prospects was like Tyrell Terry, who like, besides being, you know, weak and lacking in muscle, is just really small. Like, like you said, like narrow, like narrow shoulders, high, high-ish, narrow hips. I mean, not much room to conceivably get. Like, like, like he's not crazy lanky or skinny visibly either, which is kind of what you look for in terms of guys who can add muscle in the future. Um, you know, guys who looking for the guys who like maybe aren't even like that crazy lanky or skinny, but like still, you know, just don't have any muscle and probably can't add much in the future. I mean, again, like look, looking for. Even these things are like hard to know for sure because people prospects develop physically in ways we don't expect. Like often, like that, that that's just a thing that happens. Um, yeah, I mean generally, like with with just fixed physical traits, like like Max said, fixed physical traits that that, that you can't train in, in, in like in a weight room really. That's what you want to look for. Um, next, we've got from Sahil PST. Can lateral movement be taught to the point that you can become a good NBA defender if you were terrible in college because of the same thing? Can you develop enough instincts to cover up for your lack of physical gifts? Uh, and is that even a bankable thing for NBA teams? Yeah, absolutely. I think you can develop that. I mean, I talked about this a little bit earlier in the pod. I mean, Killian Hayes is, is the example that we've talked about often and everyone's going to cite someone who is atrocious on the ball um, at Cholet and in FIBA and has become a legitimate positive there by the end of his, his season at Ulm. Uh, someone who, you know, I, I think most of the improvement was technical for him. Um, 
Yeah, yeah I think I, it was. I, he's a little less stiff. I mean, I, I think his hips are marginally better, but I think even when Killian was was terrible on the ball, there there were flashes of hip mobility. There were flashes of lateral bursts. I think those are the things you kind of want to look for. Um, you know, guys who have those those physical traits but are just technically really bad. As like guys improve on ball technique, technique from year to year pretty pretty common, pretty often. And I, and I think like on ball defense is pretty variable from year to year. It's like in young players as well. Um, yeah, it's it, it, it's a very changeable thing technically. I mean, the issues comes when you have guys like like Patrick Williams with with the crazy stiff hips. Those you know, as we talked about, could potentially be fixed through you know quite a bit of physical therapy and weight training and body reconstruction. But that's a lot more difficult and complex than than improving someone's lateral movement technique or their footwork chasing over screens. Um, that's where you want to be careful if they don't have the tools to do it at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, in talking about guys who do have those tools and, and even don't have crazy, like impressive tools, like, like, like you don't have to be like Isaac Okoro to, to, to be a positive on-ball defender with, with technical improvement. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's a skill that can absolutely be improved and we see it improved in prospects pretty, pretty regularly. Yeah. I mean, I think it, to me, it, it like depends entirely on the root cause, uh, like Obi Toppin's hips are not going to get lower and wider. Uh, maybe they'll get a little bit more flexible. But, I mean, at his age, I kind of doubt it. Um, but, like, you know, when there's no physical impediment, like with Killian, aside from some some stiffness, like, can he get into a stance and actually start moving laterally? Evidently he can, because he can go from being a really, really bad on-ball defender to a really, really the kind of dominant one at a lot of times. Um, yeah, so I think it can be improved. I think athletically a lot of things can be improved in the NBA. Definitely less in on hip mobility being improved than, like, Ah, burst through like ankle flexibility again that adding Killian there he's gotten better there but still still needs uh, some more improvement there and I think that's you know we could see a lot more burst coming from him uh if he can improve on that um but yeah I think it, it can be improved depends on the root cause uh hard to know but like I feel confident saying Toppin's never going to move laterally well at all same with Pat though like I, I think a little less fixed with him. Like I don't think Vassell will ever be a great lateral mover just because his hips are so high and narrow. Um, yeah. So depends on the root cause, but uh, yeah, can be improved. Yeah. All right. So this is from at uh, Marcos Levy Pty. Which is the biggest priority for the Mavs? A wing or a sec? A wing or a secondary ball handler slash shot creator? Uh, I feel like it. I wouldn't have an issue with them doing either of those things. Um, I think Luca is one of the rare guys that it's like, yeah, when he's on the floor, like every possession should be running through him. Every single one. Um, And yeah, you need someone who can create when he's off the floor. Uh, But eh, like it, it's not that important. Uh, You know, in playoff games, he'll be, you know, doing that for 40 minutes. Um, so I would kind of lean wing. I like someone like Josh Green makes sense there. Or you could, honestly, you could sort of address both of those things. Like if Maxi is available there, I think that he has some chance to sort of, not really a wing, but just as an off-ball player uh, who makes sense next to Luka. I would love maybe to creative. have them find a way to get a Coro. Like, <laughs> impossible. Yeah, but. I mean, Josh Green is kind of like the diet, diet, diet Okoro. Yeah. Um, but the the, op- the option that's like really appealing would be Desmond Bain as a guy who could really like play the wing alongside Luca and then do a little bit of creation when he's uh, off the floor. Uh, so yeah, I mean, kill two birds with one stone. Draft Desmond Bain. Yeah, uh, I I also said wing. I mean, like like secondary creation is is more of a luxury than a necessity for them because you have like Luca who can who can probably should have every offensive possession um you know getting a secondary would be nice um but it's not really necessary whereas a wing defender is going to be a lot more important as they get deeper into the playoffs i mean you saw late in like like late in the late games like against the clippers they had like michael kid gilchrist taking primary assignments like that's like not a i mean that's not a viable long time i mean like dorian finney smith is a positive wing defender at this point on the ball they don't really have anyone else like short or long-term to bank on there like uh, on the other hand 
don't don't draft a wing defender. Although, actually, I mean, I, I quite like Isaiah Joe as a defensive prospect. But draft Isaiah Joe and have Isaiah Joe and Christoph Porzingis spotting up from 40 feet as, uh, you know, Luca is running pick and roll with Dwight Powell or something like that. Um, you double drag. And- Double drag with Joe and yeah. Porzingis and have them both popped like. Well, no, Luca double drag with Giannis and Porzingis with Isaiah Joe uh, spotting <laughs> up from four. <laughs> uh, the 170 offensive rating. Um, so uh, yeah, I think wing. probably yeah. target a wing, but there are a lot of ways. That they even though like, like even though where they're picking the value is probably there's a good chance the value is it like secondary type, um, like if Maxi slips. Uh, but like, yeah, I mean, Bane, Bane is probably like the realistic guy I look for there. Um, fits so well with what yeah. they do. I mean, like, he can make decisions when he needs to. Gonna shoot the lights out next to Luca. I mean, it's just a no-brainer if he's there. I think. Yeah, I, there, there are a lot of directions they could go, but yeah, Bane, Bane is like strikes me as pretty obvious. Is like that makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there there are other options that would be fun too. Yeah. Um. From Sam S. Fondiari, uh, players projected outside the top five to ten, you feel uh, have the best chance to be uh, all stars. All right. Well, the first one, I mean, likely. I, I just want I, I want to mention Killian Hayes. I mean, it seems like he's probably going to go inside the t- top ten, but like not top five. I don't think. I think he definitely has all star has an all star ceiling, even even if it's like low end all star. Um, I, I think that's realistic for him. And then some more ceiling-y type of guys. Um, RJ Hampton is a guy we both like a lot for his ceiling. You know, lots of flaws, but really unique advantage creator off the dribble. That's what you kind of need in, in star-level players. Or So I think he's got, you know, an outside shot um, there. Uh, Alexi Pokaseski, who's going to be – who's going to fall, I think definitely has that, that ceiling, you know – I don't think the ceiling is as high as some people do because I'm less convinced of the on-ball offense, which um, even though like, I've, I've, knew, I've moved up a lot in the last months and I, I like him quite a bit, I think he certainly has all-star level ceiling as just like a tall, crazy movement shooter with with, with the passing, with the, the really impressive passing vision stocks if he can put on some weight. Um, and then Maxi as well, you know, as this like it like three level score with with plus guard defense so yeah uh, those are the guys who, who i had yeah i had a bunch of guys that um i think could just be like kind of big time scorers so maxi rj grant riller um riller. and then for the guys that i think could like you know really be high level impact guys and you know may, maybe like creators to the point that they like qualify traditionally as stars i had vassell and bulmaro Oh, um, tomorrow is a good one. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think that there are outside shots that those guys are like Vassell more in the secondary mold. But um, Bulmaro is as like a, you know, boomer bust guy that we've kind of talked about in the past. Uh, yeah. I think yeah, in that those guys- Hampton Dane, I mean, in terms of boomer bust at that point. Yeah, although Hampton, I mean, still strikes me as more of like a secondary guy. But he could, I think he could conceivably be a pretty big time scorer between. Um, you know, a, a little bit of, of self-created off the dribble stuff, but a lot of transition, a lot of attacking off the catch. Like, I, I think, you know, if, if he winds up in a situation where he can, like, play Jalen Brown's role, um, yeah. he could score a lot of points. Um, yeah. And that sort of thing gets you into all-star consideration, even if you're not uh, an all-star impact player. All right. Um, so next question. All right. So yeah. this is from so, at – oh, yeah, go ahead, Ben. Yeah. This one at this guy then H. Just like in the NFL, I feel people are putting a premium on player a premium on players who can run your offense. Is the same thing happening with Killian Hayes? Would drafting Killian over Maxi be like the Jaguars choosing Blake Bortles over Mike Evans and Odell Beckham Jr.? As sports keep coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, BetOnline.ag. Major League Baseball will soon be in full swing, and there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. Also, tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection. He'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his bling. Visit BetOnline.ag to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back sports bonuses. Bet online, your on your online wagering experts. 
2020 has been the year of things happening that are completely out of your control, but there is one thing you can control and that's shaving your bush. Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to remind you to do so. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you a confidence boost through body image. Their ceramic blade and skin safe technology are designed to reduce nicks or tugs on your fellas down low. The Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and comes with an LED light so you can manscape in the shower, in the dark, or in a dark shower, whatever floats your boat. They also just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. In fact, listeners of this show will get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code armchair. It's time to grab 2020 by the horns by shaving that front trunk. Um. So... Yes, there's a premium placed on creators, uh, just like there are, is a premium placed on quarterbacks. But as is the case with quarterbacks, uh, it is with good reason. Those are the most valuable players by far. Uh, very little else uh, matters if you don't actually have a guy who can create offense. Um, so I don't – one, I don't think that that's like a bad thing. I don't think – you know in the case of Blake Bortles, he's not good. Um, and you would definitely rather have Mike Evans or Odell Beckham Jr. But like, you know, if you are talking about another quarterback who like was a risk, like if you're talking about Patrick Mahomes, like that, that risk was certainly worth it. Um, so I think that, yeah, it's, uh, drafting creators is analogous to drafting quarterbacks in that there's a premium placed on them, but it absolutely should be there because that's what's valuable. Yeah, and obviously um, Killian's actually good. I mean, like, and he's yeah. So that that's good. The important thing, is that yeah. like I don't think Killian is is comparable to Blake Bortles because I think Killian is good. Um, like, yeah, like the reason he's number one on my board is is yes, in part because he's a creator, but like also that's he's good at basketball. Like, yeah, but that's because being a creator is valuable. Like, it, it's kind of like if if you say that that um you know uh I don't know. Clint Capella is better at being a role man than Donovan Mitchell is at being a primary creator or, or Rudy Gobert is better at being a role man than Donovan Mitchell is at being a primary creator. Like, sure, that may be true. Rudy Gobert could be the best role man in the league, but it doesn't really matter. Like being a role man isn't that valuable. It's, it's just like kind of a nonsensical statement to say that Rudy Gobert therefore is like better I mean, no one would ever say he's a better offensive player than Donovan Mitchell, even though he is technically better at what he does than Donovan Mitchell is at what he does. Because the, the you just have to, when you're talking about it, like there's no reason to talk about it without incorporating the value, the like inherent value of what those roles entail. Um, yeah, I mean, so, that's why drafting, you know, for creation matters so much, like why we value creation, why we will place a premium on creation, even if prospects have other flaws and are more flawed than other prospects. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like if, if you were only looking for guys who were elite at like the specific role that they fulfill, like maybe Neesmith would actually be a top five pick. And like draft Nate Hinton in the top five. Get that elite rebound. I mean, like Onyeko, fine. Like Onyeko Kongwu, by that logic, then would be your number one prospect. I think, kind of without a doubt, because I'm highly confident in him being like an elite, elite, elite role man and a pretty elite pick and roll defender. Like I think he will among this class will probably be the best at his role. But it's not that like it pales in comparison to the value of a creator. Um, so I think Killian's actually that good. Now, if you're drafting a guy just because he's a creator, if you're drafting, um, I don't know, uh, Cassius Winston because he's a creator really highly, like that probably doesn't make a lot of sense because you have to be really good at it. That's the thing. Like it, it's the value of a creator sharply increases at the top end and then falls off very hard because you don't want the wrong guy. You don't want to be Zach Levine. Um, yeah, and this is like a thing where process is going to be really important because like the results aren't always going to hit when you when you swing for creators because you know just just inherently because the bar is so high with them as we've been talking about there, there's more room to miss on them than Onyeka Kongu types but the the process with going for creators at the top of the draft is is, is, what, is what's important to keep tracking and you know keep make sure you, your evaluations are as good as possible because you you really need those guys like 
it, it, it's hard to win to win Super Bowls with without a great quarterback, just like it's hard to win titles without a real primary engine. Like, well, it's not hard; it's impossible. Like, yeah, it's, it's impossible to to win a, yeah. a title without a, like legit creator. Um, yeah. all right. Finally, from our pal AZ Sports Zone, uh, way too early predictions to make all rookie teams. Okay, so I went like a little bit chalk. Um, first team we have Lamelo, Killian, Okoro. Oh, we did like full teams. Oh, yeah. oh, I just, oh, okay. Oh, I just did all this because I, 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 I didn't put that much thought into them. Um, all right. Lamelo, Killian, Okoro, Obi, Obi Toppin, and Onyeka. And then for the second team, I put Kyra Lewis. Um, actually, I put Kyra, but I should have had Maxi. I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, Desmond Bain, Devin Vassell, Denny, and then Poku because like I didn't want to put another center, and he's not. I know he's not a center, but. I just said screw the positional thing. Um, I really don't think Poku is going to make all. <laughs> I think there's. A, I think the chance he's valuable as, as a first year player, just offensively. But even if even if he's valuable, I I am skeptical of him actually playing that much. Uh, we, we've I mean we've kind of done this to death, but I, yeah. I don't think he's going to play that much early. Um, but yeah, I mean maybe, yeah. maybe. Um, I had Obi, Ant, Killian, Lamelo, kind of the like. Obi, I think, will be highly productive immediately. Yeah, he's going to definitely get rookie of the year votes. I mean, he's going to be a contention to win it. I think. I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he might honestly be the favorite to win it. Um, like yeah. him or Ant, kind of. Because yeah, I, depending on what you know, where Obi lands, I'd probably have him as like my front runner preseason. Like. Yeah, like they'll they'll score a lot, and Obi will probably do it pretty efficiently. Yeah. Um, and then I think that like one of the other guards is going to wind up in a situation where he's scoring a lot. So Cole, Maxi, um, probably not RJ, but just like you know that group of guards, I think one of them will be scoring a fair amount. Riller even. Um, and then if Bain is on a good team, yeah, like we've, we've seen these guys like Lou Dort, like Matisse Thibel, kind of get a lot of attention and praise that maybe it's like a little bit ahead of itself where they're not necessarily all that positive yet, but they're kind of holding down rotation spots on solid teams. Uh, and I could definitely see Bain doing that. You know, Bain, if Bain is a starter on a really good Dallas team, that wouldn't stun me. Um, you know, that, uh, that, just, that just wouldn't be surprising to me. Um, and that was, that was all I had written down, but then just like, I'm sure that some of these later guards will find themselves in situations where they're like bench creators. So whether that's Malachi or Cassius or um, probably not like Skylar Mays, but, but um, maybe Dotson. Dotson. Yeah. That type of guy, Trey Jones, like some of them, one of them is going to be running some second unit and like putting up okay numbers. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't even really think about second team because second team is kind of a farce and shouldn't really exist. Yeah, uh, I just did it. It's fun, but yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it'll be sort of those guys, but the, but the the guys I that I think are maybe will stand out rookies at this point. I mean, yeah, yeah, the first team I'm like fairly confident confident will be Obi, those tier one guards, um, and then one of the guards who either winds up in like a situation where he's scoring a lot or Bane on a good team, uh something Tillman on a good team uh so, something along those lines yeah I, I i don't think Tillman is really going to be in contention if he was on a good team i mean i just don't see him having uh, that kind of role. i don't know i mean like thibel is like a really 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 bad offensive player who i don't think he was really in contention i mean yeah I no, mean, but he's gonna make all rookie yeah i mean he's flashy too i mean like yeah but i mean if Tillman is holding down like a 20 minute a game rotation spot or something like that on a solid team like I, he'll, he will get some attention at some point. Like eventually Zach Lowe is going to write a 10 things and be like, Hey, this rookie Xavier Tillman can really play. <laughs> I can't wait to, for that day. I, that's that's going to be a glorious day. Yeah. But I'm, I, those, those four like four guys on first team, I feel like I'm pretty, feel pretty good about definitely, definitely the OB LaMelo ant picks. I feel like pretty solid about. Yeah. All right, so that's that's all of the questions we have. Um, again, thanks to everyone who sent in questions. If we didn't get to your question, drop it to either one of us, and we'll answer it. Um, did you have anyone for catching eye this week? Um, yeah, I can do one. Do you have any? I don't have any this week. No. 
Damn. All right. Well, uh, I'll come up with a few then. I'll come up with a few like kind of scattered thoughts, I suppose. Um, every time I watch Cassius Stanley, it, it is amazing how little he does. And it, it's not even that much stuff that's – well, there's a lot of actively harmful stuff. But it, it's just like nothing. Like he just doesn't really do much. Yeah, he doesn't um, pop at all for a player with the poppy athleticism that he has. I mean, Yeah, he just like really doesn't do much. Like on a possession-by-possession possession basis, like so much happens in a basketball game. And there are so few possessions that a great player – isn't having some sort of impact on like there are maybe like three possessions a game that Xavier Tillman does nothing like that. He's not containing a pick and roll or tagging a cutter or tagging a roll man or like a good defensive, uh, a box out on the, on the glass. Like there are so few possessions where he does absolutely nothing. And the same true. I mean, even the same is true in the negative for Anthony Edwards, there are so few possessions where he doesn't do something that's actively harmful. But then with Cassius Stanley, it's just like there are so many possessions that he just does nothing. Yeah, I think uh, I don't know if it's it you that talked about this, or it was you or someone else in this, I think on the pod talked about you know like how like not impacting the game at all is like some is like a negative thing to look for. Like players who are just invisible is is like like. There's so many ways to impact a basketball game. Like you should be impacting the game regularly if you're a prospect. Like, I mean, you, you, like you should be doing like doing something. And I, I definitely agree. Watching like when you watch Cassius, you just like you you forget he's there a lot of the time. Like, yeah, it's just like when I'm not actively trying to watch him, I feel like I never even realize that he's playing because he just doesn't really do much of anything. Um, and I, I guess maybe that's wor- better than being actively negative, which is the case for a lot of players. But it's just, it's just weird. It's just weird to be completely focused on a guy and watch him kind of do nothing. Yeah. Um, do I have anyone else to talk about? I, I mean, we could kind of talk a little bit of Vernon Carey. Um, he... He's really frustrating to me because he does actually make some pretty high-end plays as a passer, I think as a face-up scorer, and even as a defensive player. Like, I've kind of grown to like the way that he moves a little bit, at least relative to other kind of plodding big men. Um, He just, like, he does have, like, really just um, – he's just, like, soft on his feet. Like, he, he just kind of is nimble. He's really nimble. Um, but he's also, man, he does so many awful things defensively, uh, and is just like a load leaper and doesn't pass that often. Um, really has no offhand. Like he, he's not totally Josh green, but man, you, you ask Vernon Carey to shoot what would be a normal righty layup. And he's just doing the up with two hands, like throwing it at the rim thing that Josh green does when he has to shoot a lefty layup. Um, yeah, he's kind of a weird prospect to me. He's frustrating. I definitely like him a lot more than Stuart and Oturu, who I don't oh, for sure. really, don't yeah. really regard it's not, that it's not, not really close. I mean, for me, yeah, I don't think it's close. I've I mean, got Kerry has some like really impressive offense. I mean, he's like a talented offensive big man, no doubt. I mean, the, I mean, the one that always pops in my mind is the first half at Clemson where he made some ridiculously good passes in that game. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. He, I mean, does. He, he'll do that. Like he has the vision. I mean, the question is like, does he does he want to pass? It doesn't seem like it. I mean, this this the decision making is is pretty horrid at times. But like he he can make the passes, and I think that's important because like I think it's like there's a world where coach range in his decision making, and he's able to be like a viable post facilitator in a lower role, and that could be a pretty useful bench big. But I mean, he like he has he has a lot of ways to go. But like I like there's certainly avenues for him to be a solid like. For him to be a rotation big, like, who do you prefer between him and Precious? Um, I have them like exactly the same on my board. I think. Um, yeah, in my head, I prefer Precious. Um, I prefer Precious a little bit though. Um, I just you know like I, I think there's a more clear role for him than than Carey, um, as like a rim running athletic five. Um, I mean I don't really see any upside with Precious, though. I I, I probably see a little more upside with Carey. 
but um, I, I, I mean, the, I don't, if I don't, becomes, I don't love either. I mean, like I, I wouldn't really care for either. I mean, I, I take both in like the middle of the second, like late second, like yeah. I, I have him back to back and have Precious ahead as well. Uh, and yeah, I think it's like a you know he has a cleaner role and just like the fact that he tries really hard as a big man. Uh, yeah. I think where, matters. Where, whereas Carry is doesn't often. I mean. Nah, his motor is kind of questionable. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, I assume you prefer Zeke, not Neek Zaji to oh, both yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah, I'll take Neek and Zeke over both of them. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at as well. But like, Carry is definitely Carry and and Achua definitely like differentiated themselves from the freshman bigs that I really don't like. Or Otoro is not a freshman, but um, the the underclass bigs I really don't like. Um, but yeah, Carry. Yeah, I mean, I mean, besides like Yudoka, those are the only other like NBA prospect and like real NBA player bigs I've had. Like, yeah, I think Simonovich is like kind of on the fringes of yeah, that. I'm, I, I'm a little lower on him. I mean, just, he's pretty bad defensively. Um, yeah, he, he just is so soft on defense, which really bothers me. That like he's pretty smart. He just will not like put his body on the line he, to contest. He, like, he will he's not, not put contest forcefully. No. Like, yeah, and he and he like gets just embarrassed in the post. But he's a really good role man. Like he's one of the best role man prospects in the class because his screens are amazing. Um, he's super quick off the ground. Uh, he's quite large. He's a good passer on the role. Yeah, yeah. Like he's a really good role man prospect, and he can shoot a little bit. Like I think that that I mean I prefer him uh, to Stewart and definitely to Oturu. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, I've got Carry and Achua a fair amount ahead of them. Yeah, the, none of these bigs are inspiring. Uh, if you want a big man, draft Onyeka highly or draft Tillman at the end of the first. Uh, don't don't draft one of these guys because I mean, if, if, then again, like some of them will fall, and if Carry is there at forty five, I don't really have a problem with it. No. Like I think it's conceivable he could fill an NBA role. He just is like weird to me. All these guys are weird. Like like even Zeke Naji, who I like kind of relatively like, is weird because it, it like if he just weren't soft, like he is painfully soft um in kind of every regard just like really really hesitant to to contest forcefully and ha- like pretty soft on the on the on the glass as well um and he certainly has issues in terms of awareness but it's like he's also not catastrophically bad as an awareness guy and he he has the shooting appeal and he's a really great mover um but yeah man he's just soft uh, it, all of these guys, all of these Max these, turning it, into the old school assistant coach on the end of this episode. Um, but he really is. I'm I'm yeah, sorry. I, like, Naji is like noticeably soft, as is Simonovich. Yeah, I guess we'll you know we'll, we'll complete the, the the Duke trio, and I'll actually talk about Trey Jones for a little bit because uh, might as well round it off. I think there's a world where Trey Jones is a pretty effective like off guard. This is this. I mean, freshman Trey Jones. Is kind of like the platonic ideal of like the baseline of what you want for like an off guard decision maker, um, someone who like never makes bad decisions, um, really impressive defender both on and off the ball. Uh, obviously, like pretty much a nothing offensively you know, in terms of creation, self creation last year, and then this year that the the, the decision making waned a ton on both ends, but in its place came aggressiveness on on defense and offense, notably on offense where the the pull up jumper was quite a bit better. So if you could, you know, get Trey, tra- tra- I mean, I think Trey Jones in a reduced role could, you know, regain that decision-making acumen. And in that case, I mean, if he's, if he's going to be the level of decision-maker he showed in his freshman season playing next to, you know, high-level prospects in Zion, obviously, then RJ and Cam Reddish, um, then he could be a useful, like, bench decision-maker guard type in, in high-leverage minutes because he's going to be a positive defender I mean, I didn't actually like his defense that much this year, like especially compared to last year. Yeah, but again, like he was not good on defense this year, especially compared to how good he was last year. I mean, again, like if if you combine like the strengths of like freshman and sophomore Trey Jones, I mean, that that's a really good prospect. But you know, sophomore Trey Jones took like like Trey's defense was a little bit better earlier in the year. And then, and then I'm getting off. frustrated with attempting to, you know, like contain pick and roll. Yeah, I just think about that, like that, like that at Virginia game where he just got roasted over and over again. And it's just like, 
where was the Trey Jones of old against Texas Tech? Where was like, where was yeah? Where was the Trey Jones that was locking up Jared Cole? Yeah, I mean, and like like that Trey Jones, like I think it's somewhere in there, and like that's a valuable guard like guard player, like in like in notation. I mean, I think yeah, I, mean, I really I, don't like him offensively, I, man. I, I I think it's rough because like like guys who don't make mistakes and like who are as good decision makers as as he was is valuable. It's just like he wasn't that this season. I mean. Yeah, I just think not making mistakes as especially as like a creator is not actually that valuable. Like sure, you know who I mean, makes a ton of you're asking Trey Jones to be a creator. I mean, you're asking him to be like a guy who plays next to other ones as like Well, a, sure, but then yeah. if that's what you're asking him, like what is his appeal? Because he's yeah. not a great shooter. He's not like a great rim finisher. Like I, I, mean, I just you hope the shooting comes around. I mean, I mean and then that the defense was as good as it was last year. But I was what I'm saying, like he yeah but if if that's the case like maybe he's a back of the rotation player i just yeah i like i think that not making mistakes as a as a decision maker is a little not no it's very overrated like you know who makes a ton of mistakes luka Doncic because he attempts insanely ridiculous things um that are when they work are worth a ton like it, not making mistakes is I, I think. I mean, I think smaller goals, it's important, but in, it, yeah, sure, in but as a, role, as a creator, yeah, yeah, sure. In a creator role, I mean, you need to try things because I mean, if you don't try, I mean, because like all of the high leverage plays are inherently going to come with some with, with some downside. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't. I don't like Trey's offense. I I don't want to knock him too much defensively for this year, since one, when he was in a more reasonable role as a freshman, he was awesome, and that just like. I mean, yeah, when you're trying to contain a pick and roll and your partner doing that is Vernon Carey, like, all right, you deserve some slack. And then when, when you know, the, the, the back line defense there is going to be Matthew Hurt, like, again, you're going to deserve some slack. Uh, so I'm not going to – like, I think you can probably expect a lot defensively from Trey. Uh, and, you know, uh, still the <laughs> – I just don't think that like from a, from a guy that size, you're relying on offense for the most part. Uh, and I just don't find what he does that appealing. Like I, I don't think being a caretaker is worth that much. Uh, and I don't even know that he really is that like he wasn't that this year. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the question is, I mean, I, I mean, like if he truly can't be that anymore then yeah, I mean, he's not really going to be a rotation player. I think. I mean, yeah. All right. Should we, should we cut this? Yeah. Um, well, we, we ended up extending with our catching eye as we do. But yeah, uh, thank you all for listening uh, to this episode, to this quickly thrown together mailbag that I think ended up turning out pretty well. Um, you can follow the pod at prep number two pro pod on Twitter. Follow Max at Max A. Carlin. Follow me at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore. And we will see you all next week.